across the board here on Newstalk Saga 960, the wild ones, and I love it. And joining us from across the board is the lovely Jackie. And Jackie, it's so great to see you again. Thank you. Thanks, Barry and Michelle, for having me on. I was on your podcast in the summertime, and here we are, coming around to a new summer. Now, 2018 began as a really good year for you guys. It did. You ended up getting a, one of your songs on the charts uh, for iTunes, and everything was going well. And then something happened, and it kind of put a little roadblock into yeah. you. Yeah. What happened? Well, I got a kind of a crappy diagnosis. I was diagnosed with breast cancer in July, which really sucked. And, uh, yeah, it was a big interruption. We were just on tour, actually. We'd just kinda come back from our Canada tour, going back and forth on the train to Vancouver and back. And uh, we were in the middle of starting to write this new album, Wild Ones. And I went in for my regular mammogram and uh, came out rather confused. Oh, yeah, it was it was horrible. So what, like you, you go for this mammogram, yeah. they just call you back and say, uh, we need to do it again? Or? No, there was no calling back. There was a shocked look from a technician, and then she disappeared suddenly, and then a radiologist came in. While you're in the room. While wow. I'm in the room, oh, a radiologist came in, and then he disappeared suddenly. And then suddenly, uh, somebody, a, a face that I know from, because I actually did it in my own hospital, my own community, so then a face that I know. I am, and a face that I know came in, one of my colleagues came in and said, we need to talk. And I'm like, oh. I knew it as soon as the technicians, you know, that her eyes went funny, and I was like, oh, shit. Sorry. It's okay. It's okay. It's all good. So did you feel anything? That was anything? emotion. That was pure <laughs> yeah, emotion. Sorry. Did you feel anything? Station manager Jody's looking at us going. I'm sorry. I'll be good. I'll be good. You're uh, not the first to have said that word on the air. Poop. Um, <laughs> sorry, Jody. <laughs> okay. So did you feel anything before that, though? Like, just no inclinations? Just no no feeling of no, anything? No, I knew my mammogram was coming up in about two weeks. And I'm like, oh, okay. Well, I just did a little self-breast exam. And I'm like, mm, maybe, maybe there's something. But... You know, when we have bumpy breasts, sometimes, you know, we get cystic yeah. breasts, and it wasn't something that was, yeah, touch your breasts. Barry. Even you never guys. Know. Even guys. Yeah, Barry's absolutely. In, in studio right now, touching his Feeling man his parts, yeah. like, or woman parts, or parts, anyways. <laughs> Can sorry. you say that? I can't say that. Yeah. Oh, my <laughs> goodness. Okay. You guys will never have me back. <laughs> no. That was my fault. That was totally not your fault. Continue, though. And uh, then within a, just a, you know, whirlwind of of activity happened and I ended up having a biopsy that day and then I got sent to CT, MRI and an ultrasound and a whole bunch of other tests and suddenly I was in the office with an oncologist and all within the same day wow. and honestly I don't remember much that she said to me that day even though I'm a physician myself and uh, you know I'm, I'm used to hearing words like this I'm used to saying words like that it was sort of weird to have the tables turned yeah. and realize that Sometimes when I tell my patients, you know, you need a knee replacement, you need a hip replacement, maybe they don't hear the next 10 minutes of what I say, because I didn't. I couldn't tell you what she told me. Wow. And she looked at me and realized she had to say it again. And then I got it. But I was just like, no, this isn't happening to me. I've got time for this. Yeah. I'm in the middle of an album. I'm in the middle of a tour. And I'm working still and trying to figure out how to be an orthopedic surgeon and try and you know live my rock life That's all crazy. at the same time and now I have to stop and get interrupted with this <laughs> so yeah so things got serious pretty fast and then um I was in chemo within two weeks wow and little shocks that happen along the way that you don't think about you know your hair starts falling out your eyelashes fall out you know things are growing back now and I'm wearing a wig today because I came 
to see you last time with my long, long blonde well, that's hair. Right, yeah. And it's all gone. I've got like just that's a tiny amazing. little brush oh, cut wow. now. When you're I'm done with that, I could actually use that for my tongue. <laughs> that's right. I'll send it to you. Yeah, because mine is, is it's almost a little too blonde, but it'd be ah, nice to have a little. I'll send it to you. Yeah. So your hair is naturally blonde? <laughs> yeah, it's this actual, it's actually this color. It's dirt, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah it yeah. is. Very nice. So that, you know, when I lost my eyelashes, my eyebrows, they've all grown yes. back now, but that was. The only benefit is I didn't have to shave my legs. I can say that, right? Yeah. I didn't have to <laughs> shave my legs. But everything else was gone. It was so bizarre. And and we would do shows, and I'd be a little bit tired from the chemo, and I would have to put on You're fake a- eyelashes, which was like, I didn't even know how to put them on. I mean, they were going all which way, and and draw my eyebrows on. and. It's you were really still weird. doing so during chemo. You were still doing shows. We did our music video for "It Shouldn't Be This Hard" a day after I did my second chemo. Wow! And how many about runs or, or bouts of chemo did you do? Uh, I did about three months of chemo every two weeks. Every two weeks, and then okay. the last little bit it was every week. So it was pretty daunting wow. for a while. Yeah, absolutely. And how did you feel in terms of, like I know you said after recording everything, the energy wise, but it usually, it just especially the date. Other than the day after, completely wiped yeah, you out. So totally. how did you? So what was your coping mechanisms, or what did you do in terms of maybe food that you ate, or yeah. if could you eat? Right, like um, thinking well, about all the symptoms and yeah. all the things you go through, right? Because you do, you go through nausea and you and you're tired and you're sleepy and you don't feel well at all. But there's great drugs out there, and yeah. I was prescribed a whole bunch of medications that give you pre meds, and then. Uh, you just do it, you know, you just do it. You eat well and you do it. And I actually, even though I'm an orthopedic surgeon and I'm sort of on the that side of allopathic medicine, I did get a naturopath nice. and uh, talk to her about diet and supplements and things. So that helped a lot. Yeah. And that was a new world too. So cancer, naturopath, energy. I always had energy now. I've got none. It was, it was weird. It was really hard, but we did it. We did wow. it. Wow. You know, fantastic. Oh my gosh. It's, it's interesting because there's a part of me that would think as a physician, when you are diagnosed with something like this, because you know that the odds are good or whatever, that that would give you a peace of mind. But I'm almost thinking sometimes as a physician, you know too much. And if someone doesn't know, they just go, oh, okay, well, you know, it's, it's tough, but I, I you know, everything I hear, there's a good chance. But because you know so much, did that give you an extra fear of what could happen? That's Barry's anxiety coming out in a question form. You realize that, right? <laughs> it's true, though. Right? It is yeah. true. It's absolutely true. And I think that's why I didn't hear anything she said for the next 10 minutes and why I kept going with our musical things and our projects because I was just thinking the worst. I did a year of oncology, musculoskeletal oncology at Mount Sinai. I was going to be an orthopedic oncologist, which is bone tumors and you know musculoskeletal tumors and I actually chose not to continue on and do that because I was really sad all the time there were kids getting these tumors and losing their legs losing their life parents sad Uh, I just thought you know what I I need something happier in my life so actually even after all that training um, I went into community orthopedic surgery and doing hip replacements, knee replacements, shoulder scopes, knee scopes, that's the kind of stuff that I was doing, which is the happy thing. People come to you broken, you fix them, they go home, everybody's happy. Correct. Very rarely was there much trauma just when I had to take call. And now I'm back in the oncology world, remembering what it was like when I was training and watching people die. What and, stage were you uh, diagnosed with? So in the end, it was in early stage. It didn't end up being in my lymph nodes or spreading anywhere. So I was very grateful and lucky for that because it could have been stage four, which is everywhere, and it wasn't. So somewhere between stage one and two. Right. Um, but it was in both breasts, though? It was in one. 
but this, there was a cyst in the other that was similar to a cyst that was in the one that the cancer was in four years ago in a mammogram. So I just, for peace of mind and symmetry, because I wanted to have both of them look the same after all of this, I decided to have a double mastectomy. And my surgeon um, was awesome. You know, she, she said, no problem, whatever you want. So I went ahead and did that. That was uh, about six weeks ago. And um, you're like the greatest recovery like <laughs> story of all time, geez. Because you're like, oh yeah, I just did that, and I just had surgery of it, and then I just I came here, and I just did this, and like it's like just nothing, completely nothing. But you have it's to, amazing. Though. But you know it's you have amazing. to because if I stayed home and did nothing at all, I, I'm not working as a surgeon right now. I took the year off right. on medical leave, which has been great for music because yeah. I have all this other time. But I'll tell you, if I didn't have music, I I don't know. I really don't know. I think we all have to have something that is that we're passionate about that drives us, whether it's your kids, whether it's, you know, projects, hobbies, music, art, something that uses that other side of your brain. Yes. Um, you know, thank gosh that I did, uh, you know, pay into a disability fund when I just started working because if I didn't have that, I don't know, it would be really tough to be off for an entire year. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Jackie from across the board joins us here and when, when you're going through something like this, I mean, there are so many women out there that have suffered from this, and, you know, m most times nowadays you can recover from it, but there's so much as far as just your mental outlook towards it, and if you don't have a good mental outlook, it could be a lot more miserable than it is. What, what advice would you have to a woman who has just been diagnosed and they're at that stage where like, oh my God, am I going to die? What's going to happen? Am I going to lose my breast? How it's going to be when I, if I lose? Like, there's so many questions that you have asking yourself into the future. And uh, I, I, I think it'd be very overwhelming for many. Well, I did three things when I really sat down and thought about it. Because I've, I've been asked this question before and I, I did three things. The first thing I decided to do is be patient. Um, trust the professionals, trust the doctors. I tell my patients this all the time. Trust me, I know what I'm doing and this is what I think and let's work together as a team. And I just let that process happen. So I trusted my doctors that they knew what was best for me. If there was an option, then I researched it. So the second thing I did is I went to Google and I went to my medical books and you can find everything online now. There's chat groups there's all sorts of is support groups. Is WebMD actually legit though? Yeah, totally. Really? Oh yeah, there's, oh yeah. Because I know people that psych themselves out from WebMD mm -hmm. and they you know they've got a little bump or something it's like oh my god I'm dying I'm dying I'm dying yeah but they don't know how to diagnose their bump Web WebMD is once you have a diagnosis then you can go and figure it right. out but if but leave the diagnosis to the professionals then when they give you the name of it then then do your internet Google search but you could look at peer-reviewed journals online you can see lots of things online and and just start talking to other people who have had the same problem there's a whole support group for breast cancer. There's Facebook, a huge Facebook group. Uh, within about three or four weeks of my diagnosis, it was time for the CIBC run for the cure. So um, all of the third thing I did was get my pack around me, which is sort of where this album Wild Ones comes from. But get my pack around me. So instead of doing this all alone and it just being me and Andy and maybe my kids, um, I decided to try and involve my bigger pack and just let my friends know about it, let my colleagues know about it, the people that, all my nurses at work, my bandmates and the cool thing was that CIBC run for the cure was pretty much right after my diagnosis when I just started chemo and everybody came out we had about 40 people which were a combination of indie artists in town uh, as well as a bunch of people from my hospital Humber where I work so that support was amazing everybody put on pink wigs and even the guys and we all 
well, I walked, but everybody <laughs> ran or walked or crawled, you know, downtown Toronto, which was amazing. So that was the third thing I did is reach out to my, my pack and just get that support. And you shouldn't be doing it by yourself. Ask questions of your doctor. They're there to answer the questions. Um, my doctors decided to treat me like I was any other patient, and I appreciated that because I am not an oncologist. I'm not a cancer surgeon. I'm not a breast surgeon. I know a kind of medicine, but I don't know that medicine. And so I really appreciated that because they treated me like a normal patient and they gave me all the information as if I was, as if they didn't know what I knew. And that was, that was actually a godsend because then I felt they weren't making an assumption and I felt like I could really get information and it just made me feel more comfortable. So would all this as well maybe change your mind in terms of, uh, I guess, when women should go and start getting mammograms and everything? You... The starting point is, what, 40, I'm assuming? Yeah, here's the problem. Yeah. Most of the deadliest breast cancers that I've found are in the younger women. Really? Yeah, the ones who uh, have young children. Uh, unless that is just, you know, statistically, it, it might not be as big, but those are the most devastating because the stories are so bad. Yeah. So it's the breast self-exam that's really the most important because mammogram will pick things up but not everything and, this, and and women know their own breasts and I think that's really where you have to start your partner yourself whatever your doctor um, don't forget to do that because one tiny little bump you know that you found and you go oh let me take this to the doctor the doctor goes oh I don't know what it is let's go get it checked out you never know it could be a cyst it could be a tiny little cancer starting and we have such great technology to detect this now that there's no excuse to not start there. So maybe we don't, as a government, we can't pay for, um, you know, everybody that's younger to have a mammogram at very young ages. But I think that breast self-exam is the most important thing that everybody has to do. And at what age would you think that would, yeah, teenage girls start oh, yeah, doing that? Oh, sure. yeah, sure. Why not learn how to do it early? And men too, right? I mean, yeah. you know, we, we joked about it, but... I mean, men can contract breast cancer, Absolutely. too. Absolutely. There's breast tissue there, and a lot of these cancers are um, hormone receptor positive, uh, and they could be estrogen, progesterone, other, other receptors, and they've been known to occur in men as well. And we all have a little bit of estrogen and a little bit of testosterone in right, us. It doesn't yeah. matter what gender you are. And if one of those cancers that you have has those receptors on it, they can be, they're easily treatable, so we need to detect them. Jackie, we have to break for some traffic. Uh, you okay to stay around for yeah, another sure. second? Beautiful. That's Jackie from Across the Board, and we got to start talking about the music, too. Across the Board, Sonic Boom here on Newstalk Saga 960. You know, it's almost as while this song was playing, the conversation between the three of us, Jackie from Across the Board, and of course, the lovely Michelle. Oh, yes, uh, we, we were just talking about it. <laughs> Um, as a performer, when you go through something like this, and of course you sit, you lose your hair, and it changes obviously your look. Is there a lot of self-consciousness about being in public and presenting yourself because you're all over social media, right? And yeah, that's true. I don't think anyone's going to look, and I know there was a beautiful picture that was posted of you after chemo, and obviously your hair had pretty much all fallen out. Yeah. But were you was it self-conscious feeling at all? It was, and I, I never thought I was this vein honestly but when you're walking around without eyebrows and eyelashes it's a little weird you know I, I and I don't wear sunglasses or glasses so I couldn't really hide behind anything 
and I just found it kind of odd but I got over myself pretty quick because once I realized I didn't know how to put on those eyelashes very well and I really can't <laughs> draw eyebrows because I've never I'm not very good at makeup it just was like forget it just be yourself so what I did do is I, I did get wigs because a couple things one my head was cold and it was getting into the fall and I'm like either gonna wear a bunch of toques or go get a wig and so I got a couple wigs that I like and I thought that was fun so I could wear a long wig for performance and a shorter one just around outside going shopping and stuff and people are less likely to feel sorry for you I have to say when you're not wearing a wig and you're in chemo the looks you get are oh poor you you know and the little ladies in my neighborhood came up and gave them hugs and stuff Aww. and I was like that's sweet but sometimes I, I just want to buy milk yes so <laughs> if you wear yes. a wig nobody knows true <laughs> I was just gonna say um when you didn't wear what you were was it kind of like Oh, uh, maybe like a woman to woman empowering thing or anything because I would just be like so someone like me I'm like I loved I love the short hair yeah and I also feel like sometimes as women we hide behind hair yeah right so yeah. I feel like you know I'm like you look so good with the short hair and for me too even knowing like so when my cousin went through chemo and her and when her hair was growing back she had these she never even knew how curly her hair was mm -hmm. And she had these tiny yeah, I little hear that ringlets. Sometimes people and get curly hair after chemo. Adorable. Yeah. She looked amazing. So I was just gonna say, like, did you ever get the moments of like, you know, like, oh, that's empowering too? Because I, I, I would say I, I think know. it's the opposite. I'd be like, you're empowering yeah. to me because you're not. You know what I mean? I like, think you just like, feel that though, and when yeah. you're when you're when you're feeling nauseated and, and crappy from chemo, and you look in the mirror and you just see gray, and you know. It's one thing to be completely bald without eyelashes and eyebrows than to have a little brush cut and your eyelashes have grown back in. So now I feel like I'm rocking this brush cut. Yes. I go home, I take off my wig, I'm like, thank goodness. And off I go and my bandmates, we have rehearsal, I don't wear the wig. They all see me with my little brush cut now. Yeah. And, and um, we've got a new song that's going to be coming out that was supposed to be on this album that I was going to tell you about called Joan Jett. It was a song that I specifically wrote for the album, but we had to get some clearance because... Um, we're singing part of the chorus from Crimson and Clover on it. Yeah. So we had to go to the, the writers, and she covered that song. So we had to go to the original writers and get some clearance. But until we figured that stuff out, we couldn't put it on the album. But I was looking at pictures of Joan Jett, and she has a period of time where she's being interviewed for um, you know one of her more recent albums, but maybe about 15, 20 years ago, really, where she's completely bald. She's cut her hair off. And was that through chemo as well? No, I, and it was a, an interview with Ellen DeGeneres, and Ellen had cut her hair off too, and I don't know if that was just, they were doing some sort of female empowerment thing for cancer, or the interview wasn't long enough, the clip wasn't long enough for me to see what that was about, but I was thinking, wow, she's rocking that brush cut, and I, I just have to get to the point where I can throw off my long locks and just walk out on a stage with the hair that I have on my head, and I, I'm close, I'm close. We're doing a big uh, cancer benefit in the fall, in October, and I think I'm gonna do it then. Cool, oh. awesome. Okay, let's talk about the music now. Yeah, the, sure. the album Wild Ones, as you said, this was something that was in the works prior to you being diagnosed, but how did your diagnosis and the experience you went through change the lyrics that you were writing and, and how much of what you wrote was about what you were going through? Well, to be honest, the song Wild Ones itself was actually written before the diagnosis. But I knew I wanted to do an album about the concept of being a lone wolf but needing your pack behind you. But I didn't realize that it was going to be real. I didn't realize that that was something that I could so relate yeah. to. I knew I could relate to it because it's sort of my life anyways, but 
I didn't think that I would live it to sure. that extent. Yeah. And um, so when we got together and we, we came up with some instrumentals, came up with some chord progressions and sort of started piecing together the songs, as I'm putting melodies and lyrics to them, because that was the order we wrote this album in, music first, then melody, then lyrics, the lyrics that started emerging were the ideas of a storm and looking for the eye of the storm and the chaos in the world and trying to find a, a soft place to fall. You know, Dr. Phil always says, you need a soft place to fall. You need to be, you need somewhere that's home. You need a relationship that's easy. You need somewhere that's supportive. You need your pack behind you. And I was thinking about those concepts. But as soon as I got my diagnosis, oh my God, I'm living those concepts. So there's a couple of uh, songs, All Gone and Eye of the Storm, that are about that idea of finding the, the calm within the chaos. Um, and then the others, the others just sort of evolved too. There's a song called Graffiti, which is about making your mark on the planet, whatever it is, whether it's your music, whether it is actual physical graffiti, your artwork, your you know the work that you do in media, the work that you do as a musician yourself, mm-hmm. Barry. Um, you know, you were talking about this being your creative outlet, Michelle. So this stuff, it gets stamped. It's time stamped out there into the world, onto the planet, and that's sort of part of the legacy you leave. And the whole idea about graffiti is you ride on a train and the train takes off to places that you can't go. And I was thinking if I was going to have to leave a legacy, it would be the music. It would be throwing stuff on the internet. It would be, you know, putting my graffiti on the planet. I like that a lot. That's a really cool concept. Can I ask you, because I don't know much about your background. How did you get into music? And you're talking about like, Barry always is... um, very uh, you're very humble about your musical talent you are but he also is like well i'm just not good enough to write my own stuff and here you are you're like always talking you're just spewing out oh we do it in this order in this order in this order (laughs) so like how did you even get your start in music and become so proficient at songwriting well i started music probably i think probably around the age of 10 um my mom bought me a guitar and sent me down the road uh, to the neighbor's house where the dad taught guitar and I learned guitar. Wow. And then uh, when I got a little bit higher up in school, um, I went into the band in grade seven and became a band rat. And then I would do, you know, different uh, summer programs and stuff. And I just started picking up instruments. I wanted to play the flute. I wanted to play the oboe. I wanted to play the sax. I wanted to play the drums. The drummer was pretty cute in our band, so I wanted to learn how to play the drums. Always about a guy. <laughs> Always. I was a, I'm a fan of drummers too, but continue. Yeah. <laughs> My husband Andy started as a drummer. He's, a, he's the bass player in our band, but he was a drummer too. And then um, I was playing in community bands. So I played in the Thornhill Community Band. I played uh, in the Richmond Hill Community Band. I played in, in you know university community bands back home in Alberta. And that was fun, but I just was missing rock. I was missing that the roots of where you know the music that I grew up with. And my brothers were always musicians. My both my brothers are proficient guitar players. One of them is a producer, and we always used to like jam together in the basement. So I miss that part. So when Andy and I got together, one of the common threads of our relationship, and we've been together about twelve years, um, was music. He had guitars in his bedroom. So the first time I went over to his house into his bedroom, he had guitars, and he's all excited because I'm in his bedroom. I'm like, buddy, your guitars. Also, all I could think about was his guitars. <laughs> So that's sort of been the way our relationship has worked <laughs> around music. He, he keeps thinking he's getting lucky instead. No. You're like, eh. Now he's explaining yeah. his guitars to me. Yeah. Yeah, She's like, should. I want to see your Fender. What do you mean? I'm talking about guitars. As you said, Jackie, you're also an orthopedic surgeon. So was music, your, okay, so was orthopedic surgery your fallback, your safety net if things didn't work out in music? 
or was music your safety net in case you couldn't make it as a doctor? <laughs> I don't know. They sort neither, of both going together. I have no right. idea. I've always had some kind of a creative or sport thing. I was a professional figure skater for years and years. Oh my God, we're just talking more and more I about know, you. For years and years, for years. And uh, I was a ski racer. I was on wow. I was on the national windsurfing team. Like, that's all you did in Alberta where I come from, though. There was nothing else to do, so you were either doing music or you're doing sports. And my parents were both doctors, so, you know, they had a bit of money behind them, so they were able to send us kids to programs, which we were super grateful for. And you we took advantage the, uh, of it. You Felicity Huffman program? No. Okay, good. No, I wasn't. And so, <laughs> we, <laughs> no. I wish. I don't even think that stuff existed back then. Now, it was pretty tough to get into medical school. I got in off of the waiting list into medical school in Calgary. I don't like to admit that, but I was not on the Felicity Huffman program. But, yeah, and, and I really loved academics. I've always loved medicine. I, I wasn't sure I wanted to follow along the family tradition, the family business. In fact, I did everything but. I taught windsurfing in the Dominican Republic for a while and tried not to, but uh, it kind of kept coming back around to me, and so I ended up going to med school, but I've always had music on the side, and I don't really look at my life of working as an orthopedic surgeon as, as my identity. I think a lot of my colleagues sometimes get lost in that I am a doctor first and foremost. Me, I'm I'm a mom, I'm a wife, I'm a sister, I'm a musician, you know, I'm a doctor. The doctor is, is, is something that I love to do. I love being an orthopedic surgeon. There's a huge creative thing there too. I mean, operating in orthopedics is creating things. I put people's knees back together and put their shoulders back together. Did you play operation when you were a kid? I did, and I was really crappy <laughs> at it, but don't tell my patients. <laughs> I was terrible at it. But it's, uh, I guess I practiced enough on those little bones. Jackie, <laughs> the little toothpicks. <laughs> so much of what you do is videotape because, you know, you come in here and you've got your camera yeah. going and yeah. your YouTube page is huge. Um, have you ever thought of bringing that into the into the surgi surgical room, the operation room, or did you well, bring you it with you during, yeah. what about during any of your rehab or your, your chemo or anything like that? Oh, I did, I did. So I documented all of it. I haven't done anything with it yet, but I did document it all. Our producers, uh, we talked a little bit about that. Maybe I should do that just in case I want to do anything with it later. I really didn't want to do anything with it to begin with, but. How come? I don't know, I just, I was so, I, I wanted to live the moment. I didn't want to be documenting all the time. And, and we usually do like a 365 vlog where we do a vlog every day. But since my diagnosis, I've just been doing it in spurts because there are some days that I don't feel like it and I just want to live the day without documenting the day. Um, but I do little bits of this and that just to, just to look back and maybe piece it together later. I mean, you don't have to see every time I go to the chemotherapy clinic because it's the same thing every time. But if there's something different, I'll, I'll document it. If there's a change in treatment or if I if my hair started growing back, I took some pictures and had a little, you know, did my little vlog of that. But um, for me, it's, I think I, I prefer vlogging the musical things, coming here, meeting you guys and talking to you. That's like a highlight. So it's something vloggable. I, I want to do that kind of thing for now. Well, Very we're vloggable. I know. <laughs> I've never been told on this vlog. We've got about a minute to go. Uh, what's next for you guys? So we are uh, right now, we're going to be touring this album, Wild Ones. We're going to be doing a bunch of acoustic shows in and around uh, Ontario. Wow. Uh, May 14th, we're going to be at the Painted Lady. And then May 16th, we're at the Rhapsody Barrel Bar in Kitchener. I played there. Nice boy. It's, I yeah. love that place. It's amazing. And then we're just going to make our way around Ontario for the rest of the summer. And you'll find out just how much energy you have once you start doing this. I know. I'm just, I'm just taking it slow. We're going to see. We're going to be touring with Jessica 
Speciale, who's one of our label mates, and uh, she was on tour with us last summer as well. Awesome. So, and everybody can find those dates uh, and places on your website yeah. and on YouTube? Yeah, it's acrossthebordmusic.ca. Uh, or our Facebook page, facebook.com across the board productions. Or if you just Google us across the board, thankfully we're the only across the board band on the planet. That's I don't amazing. know how that happened, but and that's you were kind enough to bring in a couple of CDs yeah. to us, Wild Ones and Sonic Boom. And uh, gonna take the, I can't listen to them in my car because I don't have a CD player in my car anymore. Oh, right. Because they don't yeah, do that anymore. But you can stream us on Spotify, well, Google go. Play, yeah. and iTunes, and, and everywhere else. If someone else. does want the hard copy, they can get them through your website? Yeah, you can get them through Bandcamp or a website, or just actually shoot us an email through the website, and I'll send you one. Wow. Jackie, great to see you again. I you know. look fantastic. Thank you. And you know what? You look fantastic. A very inspirational story, because you, so many women have to go through this, and it's nice to know someone like you that has such a positive outlook on it. And uh, I'm so glad to see you. You're Good luck well. on your show tonight. You're doing a Thank big you. show tonight. I, I want to hear about your show. You're doing a fentanyl special. Yes, right? we are. Yes, we are. Thank you very much. It should be a, a very enlightening show, that is for sure. Awesome. Jackie, thanks for thanks having so me. There is Jackie from across the board, and uh, it's 445 here on News Talk Saga 960. Time for a look at the traffic.